Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Working for a Living at Blog Talk Radio, where progressives for change present opinions that matter. Tonight, we are joined by host Jeff Baum, and I'm your moderator, Leroy McKnight. We have four announcements tonight. The first announcement is, regrettably, on August 4th, Ernie Lofton, a former UAW leader, Trailblazer, who was the first African-American vice president of the UAW Ford National Ford Department, passed away. Brother Lofton was 84 years old. Team Working for a Living sends our condolences to Brother Lofton's family, friends, in their time of sorrow. In a related announcement, young brother Brian Nunnally was gunned down in a parking lot as he left work at his plant. Brother Nunnally is survived by his wife and three small children. There's a GoFundMe page for his children pinned at the top of the Working for a Living page. Again, Team Working for a Living extends our sincere condolences to the Nunnally family during this tragic time. May we please observe a moment of silence to honor the passing of these uh, two UAW brothers. Thank you very much. Uh, The third announcement is the Honeywell workers remain locked out of their plant by management. There is still no strategy forthcoming from Solidarity House in dealing with this rogue corporation. Again, the local has reported some of the members have been receiving notices of unemployment approvals. Also, Team Working for a Living would like to thank the Defiance Ohio Cap Council for taking four truckloads of goods and food to the locked-out members of the Honeywell in South Bend, Indiana. Thank you, brothers and sisters, for doing that. Number last uh, number, announcement number four. During last week's show, we reported on a vote of fast track being taken in the Senate on Tuesday. We got this information on Saturday, and it seemed to be eminent, so we covered it. As uh, we called to verify on Monday. The Senate did not have an emergency vote for fast track on TPP last week, and I'll be reporting a little more on that later in the show. Um, We thank the brother for his exuberance in trying to stop that, however, and thank you very, very much for making that post. It keeps us all on track and on point regarding this very important issue. Going on to email, Uh, we had one email. Uh, This is from Diane in Texas. I really missed Jeff on last week's show. So that, you go, there you go, Jeff. They missed you. So uh, uh, let's see what else we have coming on here. Let me bring Jeff on uh, on the show. Jeff uh, Brown, how you doing? I'm good, Leroy. And thank good. you, Diane. Good. I missed you too. Um, hopefully I won't have to miss any more shows because I do like doing this, educating the people who want to learn something. But yeah, that was good to hear. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're, yeah. It's it's always nice to hear that stuff, Jeff. You know, makes mm-hmm. everybody's day. Yeah, uh, you know, it does. It makes you feel good, doesn't it? Uh, so yeah, they missed you, and we missed you, quite frankly, a lot. <laughs> so anyhow, Jeff has something he's going to educate us on here this evening. Uh, he's got a real interesting subject, uh, and uh, take that run with it, there, Jeff. Okay, I'm going to talk about the uh, Fair Labor Standards Act. It was signed in 1938 by President Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Um, this law is really not known for a whole lot by its name alone. Um, what it does is really beneficial to workers. It determines... Um, uh, child work standards where um, no more child labor. It covers minimum wage, overtime pay, record keeping, and full-time and part-time workers in the private sector and in federal, state, and local governments. Um, it's really, I mean, we we, think, we know about 
the law anyway, but nobody really understood what law the name was. So we put a post on our Facebook page. I strongly recommend that if you're interested and you are listening to this, check out the links because there's a lot of information. I mean, like for a whole hour, but um, I don't really want to do that because I don't want to take up too much on the show. It's um, very interesting. Um, I say part of uh, President Roosevelt's New Deal. Um, it mentions the fact that um, companies cannot fire or displace an adult and replace them with a child for less money. Um, establishes the overtime pay at over 40 hours. It really has a lot of information that people may be interested in. Of course, uh, we had quite a few union leaders back in the day that was pushing to end child labor. Uh, Mother Jones was one of them. Um, She testified in Congress against um, Mr. Rockefeller in a coal mine situation. He had kids working there at 18 hours a day. So she was a big leader in stopping child labor back in the early 20th century. Um, But please look into this. It talks about workers who are based their living off of tips, um, how much the employer can pay them, which is like $2 and some cents an hour. It talks about the law, about high school kids working, the number of hours they can work, the type of work they can do. Um, It's really, really need to look into this. It's very interesting. Um, We thank Mr. Roosevelt because he really was one of the great presidents in our country over the years. He did so much for this country and the workers. Um, You know, he, I, we were afraid what would happen if he did not become president. Because what he did really changed this country around. It helped develop the working class. Of course, over the years today, we see the working class deteriorating. Jobs being moved overseas, other countries, and the working class is really in a world of hurt right now. So please look into the, uh, the information we provided on our page and take your time because there is a lot to read. Okay? Um, that's what I got, Leroy. Um, okay, well, th- thank you, Jeff. Very, very nice report uh, this evening here on Working for a Living at Blog Talk Radio. We uh, really appreciate that. We we sure missed you last week too. Let me tell you, uh, your your wisdom and your uh, uh, the way you bring things to us is just you know very valuable. It's invaluable, and and the people that I talk to from time to time through the week really do commend you a lot on uh, how you bring this information in detail and, and present it to us. So uh, thank you. I I might add a little something to it. I guess sometimes you see this bumper sticker uh, that says uh, The Weekend brought to you by union uh, wages or union brought to you by your local union uh, or American unions. They they vary, but The Weekend is largely attributed to being brought to you by the union. Not probably so much more Directly, but indirectly, because of this law. <laughs> this law sets uh, overtime to be paid after 40 hours. Okay, and and of course in the Detroit Three, up until recently, that was uh, after 40 hours. Even if you missed a day through the week, uh, your overtime started on Saturday and Sunday. 
it's changed a little recently, but uh, it's it's always nice to think about a 40-hour week, and then you start going into overtime. This law here set the 40-hour work week, as Jeff indicated, and that's you know that's very important to everybody here. Now that's been sort of played with an awful lot because of some other benefits that come in, healthcare benefits. A lot of people are paying people just 32 hours a week now. That's the average work week is like 34.5 hours or something to that effect, last I read. <clears throat> so as they play with that uh, law that's so important to each and every one of us, uh, and they make you go out and get two and three 30-hour 30 30 a, uh, a week jobs, so they don't have to pay you overtime. Uh, perhaps it needs a little revising. We'll just take a look at that. What do you think, Jeff? Think it could be revised that if you get 40 hours at any employer, they have to start paying you overtime? Would that yeah, be a nice um, revision in your mind's eye? What do you think? Yeah, as a matter of fact, um, one of the things I posted said that uh, Senator Hugo Black of Alabama, he must have been a long time ago, uh, he championed the 30-hour work week, and he got support from House Representative William Connery of Massachusetts. Um, they both championed this. And they, this law has been tweaked back and forth a little bit since it came into effect in 1938. Um, it really, really says a lot. If you Google it, uh, Fair Label Standards Act, you will find pages and pages and pages of information. Information. Um, I would like to see a 30-hour week. Um, so it's a uh, yeah, it'd be nice. Yeah, I'd like to see it would 30, be nice. even 32. Yeah, you know yep. that way you, see, you know, people start getting their overtime in the hours that corporate America wants them to work. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's 32 hours, 34 hours, whatever it is. So, yeah. Some changes are in the offing. You know, there's, there's uh, as Jeff pointed out, you know, there's some things that, that are being bandied about by some pretty influential members of Congress. And, you know, we're not seeing those come to fruition just yet because we know the makeup of Congress favors corporate America at the moment. But that's not going to always be the case. Once you, you know, there's an old saying in power. If you use it, don't use it and you lose it, and abuse it and you lose it. It's an old saying about power. If you abuse it, you'll lose it, or if you don't use it, you will lose it. So uh, we don't want to ever not enforce the laws that are on the books in favor of working men and women. At the same time, we don't want to abuse them. But those that are abusing these laws, Fair Labor Standards Act, it sets a week work, work week at 40, and now it's been pushed down into the 34s because of some gaming by corporate America. You can think of one company right off the top of your head by the name of Walmart. You know, it was reported... Uh, I guess April 14th of 2014 that you know Walmart costs costs the general public of the United States some 6.2 billion in subsidized benefits due to their poor wage structure that they have at Walmart. If they paid their people properly, that'd be less of a load on the general population. That's kind of sad. And that's gaming to try and take advantage of not paying overtime and getting the government to pay a lot of it, what it, what it otherwise should be paying itself, these 34- and 32-hour weeks that some of these companies are imposing on folks. So uh, this Fair Labor Standards Act is very important. I'm glad that Jeff thought about posting that earlier in the week and then, you know, took it on as a, a show assignment for tonight. So thanks again, Jeff, for doing a fantastic job on that issue. It's a very important issue that followed on the uh, back of the Wagner, 1935 Wagner Act that actually is the foundation for the unions themselves, you know, 
uh, our union wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the National Labor Relations Act, otherwise called the Wagner Act. So, uh, again, appreciate that, Jeff. Uh, very much appreciate it. I like doing that. Okay. What else? I know. I know you do. do. You know, we, you and you and I talk about that. Go ahead and tell them why you like doing um, it, Jeff. I like doing it. Oh, I guess I love educating people. I think I should have been a teacher instead of an auto worker. But all this history that I've learned over the last 29, 30 years, um, I'm trying to educate the younger workforce so that they can carry on the tradition uh, of the labor movement. So Leroy talked about Walmart. Walmart's not the only company that does this. You have Target, store chains, um, Kmart, ton of them. They don't, want to, they don't want to hire people full time so they don't have to pay the benefits or overtime. So you hear a lot of people across the country saying before people get food stamps or welfare, they should be drug tested. I kind of agree with that, but because of this law that allows companies to do this stuff, uh, I don't see the reason why somebody who's wanting to work full-time but not their employer's not giving them that opportunity, they should not be uh, held accountable to take a drug test to receive the food stamps needed to provide for the family. That's my argument when somebody raises the question about, why well, they should be tested for drugs before they get welfare Believe me, nobody wants to be on a welfare that I know of. Um, so I just wish some people would take on this information before they open their mouth again about people being drug tested. Um, I think they should drug test the elected officials, our, our senators, our congressmen, state officials, local officials, because they're the ones harping on this too and we've seen quite a few of them get busted for drugs over the years so they are the ones that's really pushing this and then you're getting caught by doing the same thing so, so that being said um should move on Leroy okay thanks Jeff yeah I, I I agree about the drug testing I mean I could think of a whole lot of people they could add to that list you know um mm-hmm. you know First-line managers, second-line managers, middle managers, upper management. You know, let's take them all on. If they want to be playing those games, let's, you know, get everybody into this, you know. Exactly. <laughs> so exactly. I'm, I'm with you. You know, other than that, leave them alone, you know, like Jeff said. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So having said that, we'll, we'll move along here. Uh, uh, I uh, mentioned to you that I was going to cover a little bit more uh, in one in the fourth announcement, I said I was going to cover a little more about the the uh, Trans-Pacific Partnership. Uh, again, we appreciate the uh, member uh, that posted this uh, in in a little bit uh, in in zealousness, uh, and we got it. Uh, we jumped on it in zeal, in zeal as well, so we're as guilty. But there was no vote on Tuesday. Uh, and uh, for that, we apologize to all the listeners uh, for getting you all wound up. But there will be a vote, and maybe this was just sort of a dress rehearsal for the real thing, uh, because this is this is going to get uh, real up uh, close and personal and in your face before this is all said and done. We have a president that's pushing for this, and there's not a union member uh, other than maybe Bob King. Uh, the previous UAW president that is actually supporting this. This is uh, this is a bad thing for working men and women, this country in general, and uh, it's it's not going to be good for even the communities in which we live in, because if they don't uh, have if they make a law that hinders profit for a corporation, uh, they can come in and change their ordinances. This is a big big deal, huge deal. Uh, so what we've done, we talked about it in working for a living, team working for a living, and 
uh, we decided that we would uh, uh, help to lead the way in opposing this in a more significant way. There's a lot of people out there saying don't do it, uh, and I suppose there's some people with some write-in campaigns, but we've made it pretty easy for you. Uh, we've set up, uh, and, and I, I should stop just for a second uh, because of the the um, uh, working for a living page right now. Uh, at the top of this page is pinned post for uh, Brian Nunnally's children, their GoFundMe page. It's pinned at the top of working for a living and you can go there and it, it's the direct link to go to their GoFundMe page and we've kept that pinned at the top of the page and we expect to do that throughout the the week at least because we want to try and support these uh, family members uh, of the deceased brother that's fallen early in his life due to unfortunate circumstances. But having said that, we will do our best to keep up to the top, not the absolute top, because of this other tragedy we have in our in our union at the UAW. Uh, but we will keep it near the top. Uh, this post regarding uh, our uh, Trans-Pacific Partnership campaign to oppose it. Now, what we've done, we've gone out and found the page with the current addresses and phone numbers for all of the United States senators. And they're not, I, I, uh, I'm mistaken, by the way, Jeff, because I, I mentioned to you that they were, I thought they were all in the Russell building, and some of them were actually in the heart, and of course some of the leadership is in the actual uh, congressional building itself. Uh, in those, they got some magnificent offices. I just wish I uh, could have taken pictures and, and been able to keep those around. Or it's just too bad that not everybody has the opportunity to visit a senator that's in high leadership position, like a finance and banking committee uh, senator that gets an office in the, uh, the Capitol building itself. So these are pretty magnificent offices, by the way. So, but. Uh, so they're scattered around a little bit, uh, unlike what I had represented. I thought a lot of them were in the Russell, and they are a lot, but not all. Uh, so we have the addresses and their phone numbers for you to contact them. What we've done is made a post on uh, the Working for a Living page. Please feel free to join the page. That's Working with No G, number four, a living with no G. Neither of the words have G as they're represented in the name. Working for a living. And again, four is a number. So just join the page and you can see the top two posts will be one for the, uh, the family of this uh, fallen brother. And the next post, we'll try and keep it right at the second one where we move it up to the top and we have that ability as administrators for this Trans-Pacific Partnership opposition. Again, the addresses, we have a link to the addresses. You just link over and find your state and then get your uh, United States Senator. And then we've written uh, a template for you. Uh, it has the date I, we put in August 14th, but then, then it, it has, you can type in your Senator's name and their address Okay, and then it has some regarding, and that's bolded. And then you got to type in your senator's name. It says, Dear Senator, and you've got to type in their name again. And you can do this because it's a Word document. And then it outlines it, the entire, well, a number of issues uh, uh, that I'll go through in a second. It outlines these issues, and then uh, it uh, uh, closes by asking them to oppose by voting no anything that deals with the Trans-Pacific Partnership, whether it's in any, any uh, measure. That means if it's a vote to prove it or if it's a vote for a fast track, in any measure, they, uh, the, the request covers that. And then it's respectfully submitted by you. You sign your name, type your name, type your address, and then type your city and state zip code, obviously. Uh, and then you just fold it up, put it in an envelope, address it to the same same address that you just put on the envelope and 
and uh, uh, then you just uh, put a put a stamp on it, send it out to them. Maybe give them a call at the phone number that you can find on that link that we posted for you. And if you know, the more people that do this, the better off it's going to be. You know, there's a lot of people dug in already on either side. Uh, but if you just send them a little, it might, you know, you never know when that last letter is going to make a difference. Now, let me just go over a few of the things that we've determined that, uh, and actually we got this from the AFL-CIO, so it's not all of our work. Uh, but uh, let me just go over these. I, my printer, double printer, paint a line, so I'm going to have to read them offline here. So just so you know, we're human beings here doing this, and none of us, None of us are professionals in any way, shape, or form. We're just here to try and educate you. Okay, the first yep. item on this, yeah, Jeff, Jeff's got it. So, you know, we all make mistakes here. You know, so, and, and we're just, you know, uh, running this, uh, you know, when we print something out, if it doesn't print exactly right, we have to read it off off the uh, document itself as it's written here. So, so I'm, I'm reading off the, uh, the document I downloaded from that uh, page. Uh, so the first one says uh, the TPP will push wages down. As it stands, the TPP encourages outsourcing of jobs to countries with low wages, in inadequate labor rights, and poor environmental standards. So that's the first item. That's pretty important things. Going to outsource jobs to countries with low wages, inadequate labor rights, and poor environmental standards. That's, those are big deals. Second one, uh, there are only weak mechanisms to enforce labor rights. The TPP allows too much discretion in the enforcement of labor rights. Workers who petition the government may not seek results for several years, if at all. Meanwhile, foreign investors can act independently to enforce their rights. And that's kind of important. Even a foreign investor can act independently, you know, uh, so this is this is an important issue. When foreigners get more rights than workers in the United States, just seems to me to be something quite wrong with that law or trade agreement. Now, whoever negotiated this is probably, you know, sitting around feeling pretty bad right about now because they're taking a lot of heat from people like you and I, Jeff, David, Terry, and Roberta and all the rest of us that are here banging on them pretty hard because of this TPP. The third item is currency manipulation. Could wipe out the potential tariff reduction benefits. The administration has failed to include enforceable currency rules in the TPP. This means that U.S. manufacturers hoping to increase exports would continue to face closed markets and increasing import competition from products subsidized by countries with undervalued currencies. The same old song and dance. We're going to be at a disadvantage in the trade agreement. And we heard about this August or July 23rd or July 31st. I'm sorry, when we covered the tax uh, uh, inequities. Uh, in the other global countries and all of the emerging countries in the uh, financial systems. So yet again, some more problems here with uh, the, the uh, enforceability currency, rule, currency rules. Number four, foreign investors will be able to bypass the American court. There you go. This is a biggie. Listen, let me repeat that. Foreign investors will be able to bypass the American court system. Investor to state dispute settlement, ISDS, will allow foreign companies bypass American courts and file suit against laws and regulations they believe interfere with their expected profits. Didn't we talk about that a minute ago? That they could interfere with their expected profits. In other words, if we have a labor agreement that's based on the Wagner Act that allows us to organize, elect our people, and collect, bargain collectively, and it also, the other thing the Wagner Act did 
was create the National Labor Relations Board. Those are the four elements of the Wagner Act. If that law seems to be a problem with a foreign investor or a foreign company to interfere with their expected profits, not their actual or realistic profits, but what they expect, and that's an arbitrary word, could be anything they expect. They want to make a million dollars a minute off of, you know, making lemonade. That's, they can come and sue you because they expected to make that, and they didn't make it. They only made, you know, 50 cents an hour making lemonade, selling it on the corner. So these are some things. I mean, no, that's hyperbole. It's a little bit of an exaggeration. But let me tell you something. These are not good things for us, okay? ISDS, Investor to State Dispute System. There's a good one for you. Yeah, and it doesn't cover us working people in this side of this, this ISDS. This is only for the investor-to-state dispute settlement, not for working men and women's dispute settlement. So that's number four, and it's a biggie. Okay, let's go to number five. These are the things that we're sending in there to Senate. We've asked you to send into the Senate. Big deal. We encourage everybody to... Download this, rewrite it to the degree you need to, and send it off. But here's number five. Countries outside the TPP, namely China, will be able to write the rules of trade without joining. For example, weak, weak rules of origin for automobiles mean that China and other non-TPP countries will be able to benefit from the TPP's tariff reductions, even though they don't follow any of the TPP's rules. That's scarier than Katrina. <laughs> wow. So, uh, <laughs> having said that, they don't even have to participate to benefit by this. That number four really bothers me, though. When they can sue any... I'm going to read that again. Okay, I just want to be real clear. And this did come from the AFL-CIO at the national level. So thank you for that. We need to give you attribution. We're going to put, you know, put this out there and so everybody understands this is a, a, a something that needs to be forwarded and at every corner by every union brother and sister in the United States and around the world should be opposing this kind of stuff. But certainly here. So... Foreign investors will be able to, this is number four again, foreign investors will be able to bypass the American court system. Bypass the American court system. Investor to state dispute system, ISDS, will allow foreign companies to bypass American courts and file suit against, here you go, against laws and regulations they believe will interfere with their expected process, profits. So they can file suit against the laws and regulations of the United States that already exist, notwithstanding the core law in the United States that provides for unions. They could sue against the Wagner Act, the National Labor Relations Act, and perhaps if they win, get it overturned. Can you imagine a foreign company having that kind of power over American law? What do you think, Jeff? Is that a good thing? No, it's going to totally destroy what we have remaining of the working class here in America. It's not good. It's not good at all. No. Pretty bad no. stuff, brothers and sisters. Yeah. Pretty bad stuff. And you heard it from Jeff and myself here this evening about this. So this is in the letter that we're asking you to download. And you got to do a little bit of, you know, finessing of it. Put your address in. Put your senator's address in. You don't have to do any writing. It's pretty simple. You know, you can download it, put it in an envelope, put the same address your senator on it, 
you know, there's two senators for every state, so send them a couple of them out, or more if you want to. But send them to each one of yours. That would be kind of a nice thing to do. I don't know that anybody's actually got a letter-writing campaign going, but we need to have one. I know uh, Region 1D CAP Council's meeting this next week coming up, and I hope they just take a page out of our our book and actually come up with a plan like this, even if they get just their 50 or 60 members that are the CAP participants in the region to go ahead and the activists to go ahead and send something in. You know, they might get 120, maybe. But if they get that many, but it'd be really cool if they, you know, printed a bunch of them out, had them take them in to the members in the plant. Wouldn't that be cool? Maybe to a retiree meeting, you know. They say this is this is one of the biggest things that we've had come down the pipe for a long time. And I can't imagine anything more harmful to our country than this law that's being touted by the administration and been touted by some of the people running for president and now they've overturned themselves. But who knows? Can they flip-flop once more? I mean, Al Gore got beat because they kept saying he was a flip-flopper. They flip-flop like doggone dolphins around here anymore. I'm telling you. Be careful who you vote for this time. You know, I just, I'm, I'm just real weary about this whole election. I don't see a lot of, a lot of things that are making me happy. But, you know, there's, <laughs> I just want to, let me remind you, and I'm not going to get into politics too much, but I'm going to give you the cycles of democracy. And they, I don't have them up here at the moment, but I'll give you the last three that I have committed to memory. And I'll tell you that the first ones are oppression and great courage and surrounding yourself with religion and affluence. And then then comes, I'm missing one there, I'm pretty sure, but then comes apathy. Apathy. People don't care. We're watching the vote in major cities be less than 5%, with the exception of the old people that don't have anything better to do that go in there and vote absentee. But the people below 65% vote. In the general election, 9.5% voted. That's sad. Here in, in, in my town, there are capital cities, not my town, it's our capital city of uh, Michigan, Lansing. In the township, they voted out there where they're more affluent. They voted other than absenteeism. They voted around 18%. That's still horrible, even though it's a primary election for this time of year. I know it's everybody's doing their thing, but that's apathy, brothers and sisters, and that's the sixth cycle of democracy. And then you see dependence on government. And however that's brought about, and we talk about one way where major corporations are not paying their people enough and they become a burden to the tune of $6.2 billion annually because they are substandard wages for these folk, and then they actually pass out an application for welfare to them when they hire in. That's sad. But that's dependence on government, the seventh cycle of democracy. There's only eight. And the last cycle of democracy, brothers and sisters, is, ta-da, back to dictatorship. Does anybody, let me ask this again, does anybody see on the political horizon a dictator? If for no other reason than you consider the cycles of democracy when you vote, please consider that. Are there any dictators on the horizon, the political horizon? And again, we're not into this to tell you who and what to vote for. We're just here to educate you on some things that are going on that have been cycles of democracy since democracy was conceived. And I can go into any number of examples that will just scare the bejesus out of you regarding apathy but I'll spare you that 
because I know you're going to just, you know, get tune me out if if we uh, get too far into that. But the last three cycles, apathy, dependence on government, and back to tyranny. Now you look around, and if you see apathy, you tell me. And you look around, and if you see dependence on government brought to you by Walmart, you let me know. And if you look around and you see on the political horizon a dictator, you let me know. And then you tell me if you really want to be back in a dictatorship. Because I don't. I don't think anybody that I talk to that has any two cents worth of sense wants to be back in a dictatorship. Anywhere. No matter how it's cloaked under the guise of democracy. So let's be careful when you go to the polls this time. I'm not saying anybody's good. Because I have a lot of stuff coming out of everybody's mouth that I don't like. I'm kind of thinking we need a labor party out here. My thought on it. A true labor party. Where we actually pick working men and women who've done a physical job, hard work, labor, to run our country's government. How about it, folks? What do you think? I'm all about it because I'm tired of what I'm seeing. You know, really, really, really smart person that I have a great deal of respect for told me not so long ago, he said, we have one capitalist party with two wings. And... I don't disagree with that at this point in my life, and I've been around the block in the political world an awful lot. Again, I'm not telling you what to do and how to vote, and quite frankly, I don't want to get in any big arguments about it. But we've got to be real careful in our country right now. I want to tell you one other thing that that came into one of the newspapers that was presented to me on Saturday, and what I didn't see it anywhere online, but somebody held it up and, and pointed to me. This, this is a newspaper. The UK and several countries in Europe have issued a travel advisory to the United States because they deem us, the United States, too dangerous to visit. When did you think you'd ever see that? I didn't think I'd see that in my lifetime. I've seen a lot of places where we've told not to go ourselves, but there you have it. So, uh, is there anything else you want to talk about tonight, Jeff? Anything that's, you know, kind of brushed your horizon that, you know, we didn't just make, uh, you know, a, a, a topic of, you know, conversation this evening in our, in our uh, conference call? You want to talk about anything? I agree with you. We need a labor party. Um, this election cycle, we have seen um, some very interesting candidates who have different opinions. Um, and we've seen the need, or the people have seen the need of third parties. So, Republicans, Democrats, they all come from the same bird, funded by the same people. So I think one group of people are really upset about the issues that they are strongly against. And I can understand that. Um, There's a lot of Tensions right now we're seeing on the TV news coming out of some of these political rallies. And it's not going the right way, in my my mind. Um, I do do think we need a third party. Um, It's just, this is one of the strangest election cycles that I can remember and I've been on a few campaigns myself um, 
right. started a few campaigns, managed a few campaigns, worked them, worked the polls. Um, this was really strange. There's the type of stuff going on now is what we can remember back for the Civil War. You have families disagreeing over over issues. Um, that's kind of scary. You know, you have coworkers who disagree on on some of the major issues of today. And again, it's work going backwards instead of forward. We're we're not doing anything to gain jobs, good paying jobs that pay, pay a living wage so that people can support a family. Um, all that's going away. So I do see a need for a third party. And unless something changes, I agree with you, right? We're going somewhere down the road, we're going to see a dictatorship. Um, the new world order, and that's exactly what it means. One, one person out, one group of people ruling the entire world. And we know that's already put in place since the 1950s um, by the name of the Vandenberg Group. Um, yep. Some very powerful people run that group. And people that everybody knows, they ain't recognition. Um, and it's, that scares the hell out of me. I have a bumper sticker that I've been putting on my vehicle, and it says, if we keep buying imports, where will our children work? You know, and that rings true. NAFTA has kicked our butt. The GATT has kicked our butt. And it's all related to the Lewis Powell that I talk so much about. Mm-hmm. Yep. We need we need to really think about where we want this country to go. You know, everybody's life matters. Black, white, police. It's all it. You know, there's... I can't think of anything more to express that there is a need for great change. And I mean that not for the people in power or or have the money to 1%. I'm talking about us 99%ers who are trying just to survive week by week. Um, And it's really scary. You know, I think back to the 1950s where my father-in-law, for example, um, he got out of high school or he started working at Kroger when he was 16. And it was a union job good paying union job. He raised a big family. He worked there until he retired. Jobs like that don't exist anymore. They don't. Even the the manufacturing, our auto industry, we're bringing in people with uh, two-tier, three-tier, four-tier, five-tier, and that's not right. These young kids are going into a workforce that's no longer offering them health care, Pension. So just think about the direction of the country. If you want to protect your kids or grandkids' futures, think very hard on how you will go on the vote this November. That's what I ask. But just think about your kids' future, your grandkids' future. What does that future hold for them? You know, we've had a good practice in the 20th century or one generation leaves the next generation in better shape. Well, that's long gone, folks. It's, it's past history, and we ain't going to get that back from us in 99%. Just a foot down and starts fighting back. Um, you talk about the TPT. Um, the American public, our citizens don't seem to understand exactly what's going on. Um, they have yet started a protest movement like they have in some of the other countries. Brazil, where the Olympics are at right now, they had mass demonstrations months, a few months ago, and they were fighting the police 
there were bloodshed deaths over this TPT. And the people of Brazil were mad. They were going to lose jobs to these third world countries. So this is a very important issue. Wouldn't be any better if we keep allowing this stuff to happen. Um, and our system is rigged. It is rigged. Uh, Putin, Russian President Putin. I've seen an interview with him recently, and he flat out said the United States elections are rigged. He knows that, and there's a few of us who've been really active, we know that too. Um, you know, it's, we need to start fighting back, folks, for the future of our kids and our grandchildren. Because my son, my, my oldest son is 27. He graduated college and became a school teacher. Okay? He cannot find a teaching job in the part of the state he's living in. It's over in Grand Rapids area. Grand Rapids teachers, they, when they get hired in, they're given the same thing that Walmart employees get. They get an application for food stamps. You're, you're going to college, you're spending all that money in tuition, you're cut, cut down with student loans, but you still can't can't even pay off your student loans because you can't feed your family or vice versa. And that is sad to teach you all that, you know, is one of the most, was at one time a very noble uh, job. And they have been attacking teachers. They've been attacking unions. Um, we need to get things back on the right course. So please pay attention to what's going on. Just because somebody says they're going to do one thing doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be able to do what they want because they're just one person and they probably will not get the support of the House or the Senate. Think about it. Think about it. This this election has raised its ugly head. And to me, it's unacceptable. So, I, I agree, Jeff. Yeah, I agree, Jeff. You know, uh, this this whole apathy thing. Um, let me just break that down in in what voting means to you. Not not, not to you, Jeff. You, you you as well, but you, the general population of this nation. What are elected officials or politicians, right? And they support to support the people that get them elected, right? And if somebody says, hey, I'll help you get elected and, and you know, I'll bring in 1,000 votes and, and, you know, he only needed, he or she only needed, uh, you know, 800 to win. Well, that person's going to get some deference now, aren't they? Okay. I don't, I'm not talking about either side. I'm talking about somebody that brings in votes to support a politician is going to get something in return. Okay. Now, whether that's neighborhood groups in large cities that turn out and deliver the vote, as was the case in the political machines in New York and Chicago, the well, you know, the well-known political machines where you had ward bosses. They call them a ward boss. But if you had a problem and went to the ward boss, the ward boss would go to the politician and say, hey, you know, Harry Hubcap's got a problem. Can you fix that? Well, yeah, we'll fix that. That's your guy? Yeah, okay, we'll take care of him or her. So my point is that money goes where the votes of support come from. If you're living in the inner city, and I'll use the city Lansing, the capital city of the state of Michigan, the seventh largest state in the United States, voted under 
disregarding the senior citizen absentee ballots, those under 60 years old voted less than 5%. Now, tell me just exactly what politician has loyalty to less than 5%, and they'll send you money for your projects and all of your nonprofit organizations. You know, when I go into Lansing, I don't see people walking around with $100 bills falling out of their back pocket, dressed in nice clothing, driving nice cars, with brand new boats in the yard. But I go out to the township where they voted almost 20% in a primary, notwithstanding that you take out this absentee. And they're driving around in nice cars, in very nice clothing, with golf clubs that are 1200 bucks a whack. On the golf course, that's 50 bucks a whack every time they play. Boat, cottage up north, vacations two, three times a year. You tell me the benefits of voting or not. I'll tell you, money's going to go where those votes come from. I guarantee it. And if they don't, they'll elect somebody else, won't they? Yeah, they will. And that's the fear. You have voting fear that you can impose on these folks. I want to cover one last thing before we start to wrap up. We're about three minutes out. In our country, in every country in the world, people go to work and work their work day, whatever their work day is, and they come home. And for their labors, their efforts of labor, that's intended to satisfy the requirements to feed, house, clothe, transport, educate, and retire their family. primary and the spouse and educate the children in a good way. People go to work. My point is people go to work to earn a living, to support themselves and their family. Whether it's at Burger King, whether it's at Walmart, whether it's Target, or a law firm, or an accounting firm, or the legislature, or the United States Senate. They go to work for remuneration, pay that is commensurate to taking care of their family. And I submit to you, brothers and sisters and listeners, that the minimum wage in this country long ago could not do that and everybody wants to pay only the minimum wage or just above it to say, well, we don't pay minimum wage. We're a dollar above that. Corporate America, we're putting you on notice. Start paying your people a living wage or go under. Like they told people back in the late 80s, General Motors and Ford and Chrysler, they told their suppliers, go global or die. Our message is pay your people a living wage. We can't use the word die these days. Or go under. We haven't started a campaign yet to that end, but it's coming. Just like the Trans-Pacific Partnership campaign is out there now, there'll be another campaign where we start watching employers and how much they pay. And when we do that, we'll be in leadership 
of a large organization in order to have teeth into that. Right now, we're just a small radio show with quite a few listeners, but still just a small radio show. And a nice team of very dedicated, loyal people committed to working on behalf of working men and women, not only in our union of the UAW, but the other unions and the people of this country. That's a commitment from the people that you hear and support behind the scenes this show. And I want to thank all of those folks as well. Uh, we, we talked about uh, the, uh, the, the whole idea of uh, the Trans-Pacific Partnership. Uh, we'd like you to write the show and tell us what you think about a third party. Give us some of your feedback after listening to the really, really uh, well-founded concerns of us here this evening on this show. Remember, Jeff has real close to 30 years as a politic or as a, uh, a union leader, but very political as well. He served on the CAP Council. He's been out there working on campaigns. He's ran all manner of things. He's chaired campaigns. I'm the past CAP coordinator. I know they say I lie when I say that, but I'm the past CAP coordinator because I got documentation. <laughs> the young people don't know that. I have documentation that I'm the past CAP coordinator for Region 1C in Michigan with 11 responsibility to 11 counties. Now, outside politics was what I did for a large portion of my career. So we're telling you from a lot of experience as we look to this and saying there's something wrong. It's broken and we think it sort of needs to be fixed in an unconventional way. We don't know for sure. But we're going to ask you, the listeners, to write in and tell us. You're all political on all the pages and things. You tell us if you think there needs to be a third party, and you give us some thoughts, your thoughts, not ours, about what a third party would do for this country, a, a real third party what it would do for this country. Somebody that sits down and actually makes uh, a, a problem-solving uh, committee and actually goes out and solves a problem. Really solve a problem. Not because there's some bureaucrat beholding the top nine people above them, but somebody goes out and fixes things. That kind of political party. You tell us in, in writing, and I'll tell you what we'll do. I promise you that if you take, before you send your letter in, you scan it and you attach it to your email that you send it in, we will read your email says. I promise you. If you, if you write into TPP, okay, if you write that in, take and scan it first, and then send us an email at workingforaliving at workingforaliving.com. Send us an email, and if it has that TPP opposition template letter that you've rewritten and sent to your senator, if it has that attached to it, I guarantee you we'll read it. Okay, so there's a challenge for you. You tell us what you want to have heard about third party, and we'll talk about it. We'll read your email and discuss it next week. But your email, in order to be discussed, has to have attached to it your letter to your senator, a copy of it. And you can black out your name and address. We don't need all of that. You can do that. But send, that, send a copy of that letter to us, and we'll guarantee we read that on the, pay, on the show. All right? Now that's a deal we'll make with you. What do you think about that, Jeff? I agree. You know, we we would like that. You like we will not idea? use your name. Yeah, yeah I like that idea. Right. Yeah, well, your first name, maybe, the state you're from. We have stopped giving the city you're from. 
okay, we don't do that anymore because there's a lot of people out there with targets on their back, and we're not putting any more targets on anybody's back. So, uh, you know, we'll just say your state and your name. There's big states, and, you know, like we did today with Diane from Texas. You know, we kind of know where Diane from Texas is, but, you know, we're only saying Texas. <laughs> Go figure, huh? It could be retiree. could be you just don't know. So you can't target anybody anymore. So we'll, go, we'll make you that deal. Now, having said that, we'll look forward to your email on a third party, and we'll read it if you have attached to it without any, you know, personal information. Well, if you have attached to it the, uh, the TPP letter that you sent to your senator, and you can block it out just, you know, when you, before you scan it, you know, scan a couple copies and then just block one out and, and then send that one to us, you know, and use a black marker, magic marker, any colored magic marker, you know, and then scan that one in and, and send it to us. And then we'll, we'll read it if we have that on there. So that's, that's the deal we'll make with you. That's, that's reasonable, okay? So having said that, we're getting a little bit long here, but about six minutes long. Um, uh, anything else, Jeff? No. No, we had a good show. Okay, that's, that's about all I'd, I'd say. I think we had a pretty good show tonight. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did enjoy listening to us this evening or at, at your leisure on a podcast through the week, please uh, uh, just tell one other person. You know, that really does work. If you tell just another person about what's going on here, tell them that they could write in and they could actually get one of these, these templates and rewrite it, and we'll read their letter email to us too, whoever it might be. Uh, having said that, um, uh, we're, we're happy to have the listeners we have, and uh, thank you very much for all of you. Uh, we appreciate each and every one of you for your listening and downloading the show. Um, uh, let's give a hearty shout-out to all our friends in around the country, you know, Brook Park, Flat Rock, Tonawanda, Lordstown, Flint, Pontiac, Detroit, Bedford, Indiana, Lansing, Michigan. Start voting, people. I'm telling you, you got to start voting. Toledo, Chicago, Kansas City, Fairfax, Kansas, um, St. Louis, Wentzville, Arlington, Chattanooga, Dorville, Santa Cruz, California out there, you teachers, we sure, graduate assistants, and we sure do love to hear from you every now and then. Uh, and everyone else around the country and the world who listen in, and let's not forget our friends in both Mexico and Canada, thanks to all of you as well. Uh, listeners, uh, have a good night, and stay safe throughout the week. Good night, Jeff. Have a good night yourself. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Night, folks.